Hello, and thank you for joining me today on Geezers of Gear, episode number 213. Today's podcast was brought to you by GearSource. GearSource was founded in 2002 with a mission to help global live events businesses to move gear around the planet. Since that time, the company has transacted in more than 100 countries and has sold a quarter billion dollars in sound, lighting, staging, and video gear. Now GearSource has completely evolved its platform for massive global growth, enabling 14 different localized currencies, payments held in escrow to protect buyers and sellers, AI-powered logistics behind a new global logistics brand, GearMoves, and so much more. Visit GearSource.com today and expand your access to global markets for your gear and global gear for your markets. Today's podcast is also brought to you by ACT Entertainment. Nearly every project brings unique constraints and criteria for lighting control. There's always a request for integration with other systems, and everything needs to be smart and easy to use and maintain. Not an easy task, even on the largest projects. That's why ACT Entertainment is thrilled to be distributing the visual productions line of incredible control products. Designed for continuous and reliable deployment in installations as well as live events, these versatile and easy-to-use devices deliver on the promise of complete project integration on budget. If you are obsessive about control, the visual productions line, uh, lineup was made just for you. Learn more by visiting actentertainment.com. And... Thanks for joining me. Something's weird here. My desk is too low. That's what it is. Aha. Now I can see. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's uh, after Christmas now. I don't know when it is that you're listening to this, but I'm between Christmas and New Year's, and uh, Christmas was boring. Uh, New Year's is probably going to be boring because I don't generally like to do a heck of a lot at New Year's, and I call it amateur hour. You know, it's just one of those nights. It's like Valentine's Day where you you get half the service and half the quality at twice the price and uh, you just end up disappointed. So I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to go there. And uh, so, yeah, I think New Year's will be a pretty quiet night. Um, you know, for me, this whole week, like the whole Christmas to New Year's end of year kind of thing, it's... It's about two things, reflecting and planning. And so you're reflecting on what just happened, what the hell just went on in, in 2023, and planning being how am I either going to repeat this because it was an amazing year, or in my case, completely you know destroy it and blow it up and turn it into something amazing next year. And so a lot of planning, a lot of uh, reflecting, a lot of just reminders and learning and all of that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to it. Um, I've been recording a bunch of podcasts. We're doing uh, a sponsor special, which I believe will air maybe the day after this one does. So I think it's going to be episode 214. That is really just gratitude to our sponsors, asking them a few questions about how they saw the business this year, how they're going to see it next year, and uh, some good responses there. So um, hopefully you'll enjoy that as well. And uh, But today is actually one of my favorite people in the whole industry, a very good friend of mine. We've become quite close buddies. 
I talk to him a lot. We speak almost every day, every couple of days. Sometimes it's about business. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's politics. Sometimes it's something else. So I think we're going to have one of those discussions today that's just kind of a mixed bag of everything. And uh, so, yeah, this is my good friend, John Wiseman. John. Marcel, my man, how are you? What's happening? Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays, man. It's just Likewise. a beautiful day here in the in the Washoe Valley, Reno, Nevada, Lake Tahoe area. Fantastic. You're not in the L.A. office. <clears throat> I think every time no. I talk to you, you're in the L.A. office lately. You spend a lot yeah. of time there. Yeah, I bounce in and out of there a little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little mm. bit. I, I've been. I, this was really a crazy travel year for me. It was. I think it was probably the busiest travel year I've ever had, and that's that's saying something. Yeah, you spent a lot of time like in in UAE and stuff, right? Like I think you went there. A yeah, few well, times. I well, I yeah, it's weird because I you know last year post COVID, which is you know a good part of the discussion. For some reason, my particular group of clients all started in Europe and they all started in stadiums. So I had, you know, well, not, you know, there was Europe and South America. So I had, I had, I had Coldplay rehearsals in Costa Rica, went straight from there to Paris for Beyonce rehearsals and she rehearses for a long period. And so we did a, like a month in Paris then there was a week off and then, and I went back and forth a couple of times and then there was a week off, and then we went and started off in Stockholm. And who else did I have over there? I had Maroon 5 over there, so I went over there, like, for two days for those guys. Um, what else do I have going on? I just uh, Motley Crue was over there. Def Leppard was over yeah. there. So it's just, it was just, like, a lot of bouncing in and out of Europe last year. And um, were the stadiums generally because of the size of the shows, or was it because it's just safer and people were happier being outdoors? Um, I, th- no, it had nothing to do with safety or outdoors. It was no. just, I think people were starved. I think people were starved to do something and those acts and those packages could sell, you know, 40 to 60,000 seats. Yeah. So it, it became economics and it became demand, supply and demand. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, my God, you know, how, how, how's everybody affording this because you know it's 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 a babysitter it's you know you got to buy you know maybe dinner parking t-shirts the concert parking these days is freaking ridiculous i know you don't deal with it but most of us human punters do and i mean like to go to a hockey game parking is 40 bucks here in south florida where nobody cares about hockey it's 40 bucks to park I'll, i'll tell you a funny story about parking so when I started Chaos, my business partner was, you know, there was Nick Jackson and, and, and Rich Oster and, and uh, you know, we, we had some other people that had parts of it, but uh, I was the majority owner and the second majority owner, so the second one underneath me was a guy named Chris Kamen, who played for the Clippers for eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Chris is a delightful guy. Um, when he got traded, it just, it hit the newswire. He didn't even know it was happening. So he and uh, Farouk and Eric Gordon got traded to New Orleans for um, Chris Paul. And it just hit, it just hit the wires. And I saw it and I called him and he was on the team bus. I go, bro, did you get traded? He goes, yeah, I just, I just got the word. I just got traded. 
I go, oh, shit. He goes, yeah. And I go, what about my parking? And he goes, you're parking? I go, yeah. Because each player had two parking spots. And you, you would drive down underneath Staples Center. They had a val- they had a valet there. And I, he, I had one of the, one of the spots he gave to me. So I would bring clients and friends and family yeah. and you, you'd pull up to the top of the ramp. They'd wave you down. You'd drive down to the bottom. I had the same parking. thing for the Florida Panthers for a long Unbelievable. time. And, and they wanted me to re up some seats that I was paying for. And I said, no problem. I, I want the parking again. And they said, no, we can't do it. You know, they're cutting us back on how many of those spots we can give away and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I said, then cancel my tickets. I couldn't go back to the regular parking lot, you know? No, you, you can't. Out of your car it, and going straight up the elevator to your seats. It's like, hey, that's how I well, want to do it. Yeah, and when, you, when, when, you, when you're there for a game, um, there's no trucks down there because yeah. there's no load in, load out. So there's, there's, there's room for like probably 50 cars and that's it. Yeah. And so it's, it's the team only. And the yeah. visiting bus is parked there, so the visiting team would go in and out of there. But, man, yeah. as I've gotten older, it, I had no idea parking would be so important. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, man. It is true. It's amazing. Oh, my, Especially my, my stadiums, daughter. how far you have to walk sometimes. Oh, yeah. yeah. My, my, my daughter, we were, just, we were just, you and I offline, we are talking about Keith Urban. So my, my, my daughter, Katie, she came to me and she said, uh, hey, Dad, I want to go see this guy named Keith Urban. And this is like 20 years ago. And I go, who's that? She said, oh, no, he's really, he's got to be really big. He's really good. And I went, you know, we're living in L.A. at the time. And I'm thinking, I said, oh, shit, I don't want to go to a show. And she said, um, I go, where's he playing? She goes, uh, Universal Amphitheater. I go, oh, no problem. You drive down back lot, valet parking. I go, sure, Perfect. let's go. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, you were talking about Europe. The The thing is, like, I know my business in general, we've seen more growth in Europe than in the U.S. over the last year. So I don't know if that plays into it or what, but it just seems like Europe was gangbusters in 23. Uh, and I don't know who knows what's going to happen because there's so much stuff going on right now. Like, are, are you paying any attention to this? Uh, you know who the Hooties are? Not Hootie no. and the Blowfish, the Hooties. Not the, Hooties the Hootie are Rebels. Like, <laughs> yeah, the Hootie Rebels. Yeah, the the Got guys the, from uh, the, the from bad Yemen. guys from Yemen. Yemen. Yeah, I know who they yeah. are. Yeah, paying paying yeah. a lot of attention to them. So you know they're they're like pirating and blowing up ships and using yeah. drones to blow up ships yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So what so what are we waiting for? Well, but I mean, here's the issue. And so you know, without going too far down the rabbit hole, so already this has only been happening for a short period of time where they're they're nailing ships going into the Suez Canal and blocking them and or burning them or blowing them up or whatever into the red sea yeah and um it's already 3x'd freight from like asia to europe and yeah cuz they got to go around the the the, the cable thousands of, of miles now. Yeah, yeah thousands of miles extra and so three three times for a container cost going into europe and that wow. hasn't really bled too much into the us yet but it will and it will you know, like I was listening to somebody talking about it and they were like, well, it's okay. They can just do air freight. And I mean, not only is air freight like 10 times as much money, but, and, and I didn't know the numbers, but there's a lot said, less space. Well, listen to this. Do you know how much less it's incredible? <laughs> and you yeah, probably do like, know. There's like, there's like 5%. Not a, way less. So a, really? a typical container ship can hold up to 10,000 containers. Wow. A 747, seven containers. 
Wow. Yeah. So, and, and then you, and you got the size of the door to deal with too. So exactly. we've had, we've had things kicked off, kicked off on the runway because you know, they had to, like they, they had a, they had a change in equipment. So 747 yeah. changes to a, you know, back in the day at DC 10, it was a different size door. Yeah. So all that, yeah, the, the, the hoodie things. And, and that's, and that's interesting too, because you know, I, I had a little bit of brush with that, what's going on over there. Um, a, a really good friend of mine named Curly Jobson, uh, who deals primarily with our UK office and Yvonne Donnelly over there, who's just a really just a badass. She's, 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 she's me of our company over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's, uh, so they do this thing called uh, Sandstorm. Have you heard of Sandstorm? No. Okay. You have to check this out. Sandstorm is put on by a company called Middle Beast, Middle Beast, not Middle East, Middle Beast. <clears throat> and Sandstorm uh, I'm, I'm going to probably get this wrong, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, I feel comfortable enough saying, I think it's the biggest festival on planet earth. Uh, it's sponsored by the Saudi government. And what I, what I gather from my friend Curly, who, who works directly for middle beast and they are, they are, you know, over there, the companies are owned by, by, by the, um, by the nation. So mm -hmm. Saudi Arabia and MBS over there, uh, the guy who runs it he's trying to kind of drag them into the 1960s uh, trying to, you know, like, like make it more Western kind of, I think, I think the goal is from what I can kind of see is Saudi. They understand that the way they, some of their medieval uh, ways of doing things are, you know, it's not tenable with, yeah. with social media and yeah. you can't have women not drive and, you know, all that kind of crazy yeah. shit they still do. Yeah. So they're, they're kind of, I think that they, Saudi Arabia will end up being more like, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, some yeah. of the, you know, cut cutter, all those other places. So they're dragging in. So he's sponsoring this festival and the festival is, is massive. And it's probably one of the best laid out festivals I've ever seen. Hmm. Uh, there's like six or six or seven stages. Uh, it's massive. The video screens like a hundred feet high and like 500 feet wide. No, it's insane. Is this how, This isn't the one that just happened, the EDM festival. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah, it's not EDM. No, it's not. A, it's not. A, it's not. A, they got the one where Metallica played. That's the one. That's it's that's EDM because because uh, Rob was telling me about it on the podcast last week. Well, I actually bumped into Rod uh, Rob out there. We actually uh, I walked into his trailer and we had a really fantastic thirty minute good yeah. laugh. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. Um, yeah, that's but the he one. Said it's, it's, he said it's an EDM show. That's Travis Scott. It was Chris Brown. It was Metallica. It was. Uh, it might have started out as an EDM, um, and, and they and they did have uh, they had some EDM. But you know, like like Coachella is a rock. The only the only pure like festival is if you've got like uh, download festivals, heavy metal. You know, out, yeah. outside Donington, right? And then you've got. Uh, uh, like the country festival, what's called Stagecoach. That's that's country, right? Yeah. But you've got you've got Coachella. There's EDMs. There's rock and roll. Yeah, you know, it's a mix. It's not egg. power trip exactly. Right. So, which is you know kind of smart marketing. But this this thing was over the top. So Curly yeah. kind of runs it all, and then like Alex Reardon did the big design and did a just a spectacular job. Uh, you should actually I should hook you up with Alex. You should interview him. He's a really yeah that'd be fun. Fascinating, very talented man. Um, so yeah, I just got back from that. So, so going back to the, the whole Yemen container thing, 
Curly has been asking me, Michael Jobson has been asking me to come over because he's very proud of what they've built because they literally were there in the middle of the desert and they've got uh, an incredible edict from the government that happens to have a lot of our gasoline money to put on something special. And mm -hmm. so they put on something special and they built it from the ground up. They just, they just, they just built it. And it's, it's, there's no like, like uh, Coachella is confined by, uh, you know, the polo grounds. Uh, Download is confined by, you know, and, and, and what's the other one that's in Scotland? Um, yeah. I can't uh, think of big festivals. Get Glastonbury. Yeah. They're, defi they're defined by borders and boundaries and cities and all that. This is just do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Here's the and desert. They, Go for it. Yeah. And so they, they brought in Alex and they brought in some other really great designers that got some wonderful people. And it's amazing. But getting back to the other part. So my wife's going, are, are you're, you're flying to Saudi Arabia next week? And I go, yeah. She goes, isn't there a war going on over there? And I'm like, yeah. You know, and the, for a couple of months leading up to him, I'm wondering, is this going to still happen? Because it's it's a it's a it's a really big job for all the vendors, not just not just PRG, but you know the local vendors and there's some other people over there. I mean, it's we we do a major part of the festival, but like if that's shut down, it's a two hundred million dollar loss to all the vendors. Absolutely. So you, you you start having those kind of things, and it, it 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 starts affecting the business. I mean, you know. Our business, as you know, Marcel, looks really big from the outside, but we operate on pretty thin margins. Mm -hmm. We have incredible labor costs, and you know, you you what, what is it? You can you, you can take five years to build a company, and you can you can one one bad gig will completely put you out of business. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, it's tough. Where's the? You were talking about the freight issue, though. Well, the freight issue was was uh, I, I was just talking about the the whole Middle oh, East thing, oh, like. Oh, oh. Because I'm thinking to myself, you know, you know, every now and then, not to not to be like, you know, you have to consider all the things. I'm thinking to myself, shit, every now and then, like Russia will shoot down a passenger plane by mistake. So-and-so will shoot down a passenger plane by mistake. It's like, I'm going to be flying over fucking Iran, you know, <laughs> on a, it's like, really? Is this a smart trip to do? Because yeah. it would just be my luck after all the shit I've been through in my life. <laughs> To get you know in a random passenger plane shot down and where they go but it, oh, sorry but it plane. wouldn't be blown up or anything they'd just like clip the wing and make you land somewhere in the desert and you'd have to put up with a bunch of annoying people for like nine days until you got rescued or something they'd, you know? ha they'd have to put up with me exactly yeah, yeah you'd probably get grumpy after a few days i would think oh, absolutely absolutely you'd, you'd run out of the food from first class and you'd be like god damn what's it, going on you back guys there eat this shit back there <laughs> This is garbage. Uh, Flying has had south. to be with you traveling as much as you have. Travel, uh, you know. I I don't fly that much anymore. But yeah. this year I I did a bit, mostly because of my kids racing. But um, yeah. it's uh, it's a pain in the ass. It's a pain in the ass. Even, it is a pain in the ass. You know, even like, and I probably don't have anywhere near the status you do now on the airlines. Cause I don't fly as much anymore, but I'm still platinum on a few airlines and yeah. platinum means nothing anymore. Like you're just, you're just like everybody else. When you're platinum, you gotta be like one K or this or that, like all of these elite elite levels. Yeah. I'm just not there anymore. So, well, but that's why I stick with pretty much like, like two airlines. Yeah. Uh, 
I, I've got lifetime uh, status, the top status on Delta, just from I flew them so much back in the day, and now I don't fly them that much, but I still have the status. They gave me yeah. lifetime status. But um, you know, I love Southwest. Yeah, I, I love Southwest because well, no expectations. <laughs> well, you know what? You, you you pay the fifteen bucks or whatever, and you get the business select. And after yeah. all the uh, after all the bogus assholes who uh, claim to be pre-boarded, you know, after those fifteen people yeah. go on for free, you yeah. know, you can get on. You can you generally get a pretty decent seat, and it's cheap and cheerful. I, I don't do any long hauls on that, yeah. but it's you know, I, I kind of like the whole. The Southwest vibe, they're kind of funny. They they say funny shit when they're doing yeah, announcements. Yeah. They throw peanuts at you, yeah. you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, I kind of like I'm that with vibe. You. But I, yeah, but on, on America, I, I pretty much stick on American because you know, I, the price is negligibly the same. Yeah. But I have such status with American that I, I've had some pretty interesting, I've had some pretty interesting uh, uh, positive experiences when they've canceled a plane. Mm. They cancel the flight. One time, I was on a flight. This 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 buddy of mine um, from my hometown. He's a stockbroker, and you know, him and I kind of came up in the music business together. And he went off in the stockbroker. He said to me one time, he goes, "Hey, I got to uh, I got to go on one of these trips with you, you know, because you're you're calling me from all these crazy places. I got to go with you." And I said, "Okay." I said, "So I've got Green Day playing at um, playing at Wembley Stadium." And Joan Jett's opening, and it'll be fun, right? So, so come with me for that. So he and I get on the plane, and we're sitting on the plane. We're in first class, and he's next to me. And they came up, and you got to understand, you know, I look like a homeless person half the time when I'm traveling, right? <laughs> so they they tap me on the shoulder and to whisper in my ear, uh, Mr. Wiseman, this plane's going to cancel in about 15 minutes. Could you very quietly, you and your friend, Mr. Martinez, could you grab your your things and follow me off the plane? Don't say anything, right? So it looks like I'm getting thrown off the plane. And so we're grabbing our stuff and we're real, real, real quiet. And we walk off the plane and they have the golf cart and they take you over. They go, we got you protected on another flight. And we go over and we, you know, get protected on that flight. And we go to the other flight. And he just kind of looks at me and kind of shakes his head. And so we get to the, we get to the hotel and, we, you know, they, they upgrade us to a nice suite in, in London, which is just nice, right? It didn't cost any more. And then we go to the show. And, and uh, of course, I'm, I've been friends with Joan and their, her whole band, Kenny Laguna, forever like forever, like 40 years. And Kenny, it's a stadium and they're playing, playing the stadium. And it's like, you know, 60, 70,000 people there. And Kenny Laguna stage right. And we're standing stage right. And he's playing, he's playing now piano. And he looks over and he goes, Weisman, hi Kenny in the middle of the show. And he That's just funny. walks off the stage and comes over and gives me a big hug. That's and it's hilarious. loud as shit. And um, we're, we're talking, we're kind of yelling. I'm introducing him to my friend and I go, Kenny, shouldn't you go back? He goes, oh yeah, I should go back. And he goes back and finishes the song. And my friend looks at me and he goes, okay. So the plane, the hotel, the guy walking, he goes, who the fuck are you? That's I hilarious. go, nobody. I am nobody. Yeah. I'm just right guy, right place, right time. Yeah. No, you've worked yeah. hard for that. You've worked hard for, for you know, that little bit of uh, benefit that you're getting now at this stage of your life, right? Yeah, why not? You worked really hard for it. Plus... I mean, the amount you're traveling, and this is how I've always explained it to people. You know, you can't raise your eyebrow at me because I'm flying in business class. Nah. And, you know, I'm gone like almost every single week. I'm gone somewhere on an airplane. And like when I oh, was yeah. with Martin, Martin was the worst because uh. I would fly from Miami to Denmark to China, back to Denmark, to LA, back to Miami, say hello six to my, my ex-wife, go to New York, go back to Denmark. I mean, yeah, like just 
constantly not even knowing what time zone you're on, right? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's pretty much mine has been nonstop like that, and it still is. I think I was gone last year, probably about 250 days, and I probably of those flights were probably you know I was probably on flights 175 of those days. That's insane. That's a lot of flying. Yeah. You know, well, so- it's it's not a it's not a, it's not really it's it's not a luxury. It's really not a luxury. No, no. Because I, I what, what people don't understand is like, we're not going on vacation. When we land, we have, we go right to work. Yeah. And I don't stay three or four days in a place if I don't need to. Yeah. I go in, I get done. It's like, you know, like this last trip to Saudi. That was uh, probably the second longest trip I've ever taken, you know. It was, you know, Reno to Dallas was three and a half hours. Dallas to Doha was 16 and a half hours. Um and then Doha, and then there's like an eight-hour layover, and then Doha to Riyadh's another hour and a half. So you're talking 24 hours to get there. And then, you know, I, and, I, and I was talking to a friend of mine in another business. He goes, do you really have to go to that thing? And I go, no, I don't have to go. He said, but it's going to be a lot of opportunity. And he said, well, what do you think is going to happen when you get there? And I go, I have no idea. I said, I'm going to run into people like I ran to Rob. Didn't expect to see Rob. That's great. You know, I ran to Tony Giacchio, hung out with Tony Giacchio back in the Metallica's dressing compound for, you know, half an hour. Had a great time. These are all just, and you know, and then, you know, ran to Alex Reardon, hung out with, hung out with Curly, hung out, you know, just one person leads to another to another. And then, you know, I just, I got, I actually got business out of there that, and that's what happens is I always end up getting a gig, a sniff of a gig or two or three gigs because you're in the mix. And yeah. if you're not in the mix, you don't know what's going on. So, you know, a lot of times I'll show up with no plan. It's like, okay, let's see what's speaking going on. Speaking of here. Rob, so we recorded that episode on like, I think it was the 19th. And uh, we had a fairly long conversation about Lars and specifically about the meter. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, how do you follow the shots when you don't know, like, yeah. Is he going to hit it here? You know, cause he, he, he's very, he pushes a lot, yeah. right? Yeah, his, yeah. his meter's a bit You're tough being to so follow. kind. Yeah. Well, we were relatively kind, but we got into it pretty good on it. And the next day or the day after, I think it was the 21st or something, he called me and he said, Hey Marcel, uh, have you already like completed that? Is it uploaded or anything? I said, it's uploaded, but it's scheduled for next week. Why? And he said, well, I know it's probably a lot of work, but would you mind doing some editing? And I said, yeah, sure, what? And he said, uh, the stuff about Lars. I said, oh, that was like seven minutes. And he goes, yeah, well, his dad died yesterday, like on the yeah. 20th, I guess, his yeah. father passed away. And plus, Lars's birthday was on the 26th, was when we were launching it, I think. Right. <clears throat> and so he said you know, you don't have to do it. I'm not telling you to do it. I'm not even telling you that it's going to be a big deal because I doubt Lars is ever going to hear just, it. Just kind of the vibe doesn't feel it right just, It feels shitty. Yeah. And I said, yeah. no, consider it done. And I mean, so I think I had to get up on, I don't know if it was Christmas morning or the next day. Yeah. And, and early in the morning, I had to download everything, re-edit everything and re-upload it all. And it took me, I don't know, an hour and a half or something. But, you know. You do it. Well, it's funny. The funny thing about Lars is he's the founder and the driving force in the biggest fucking band ever, arguably in the top 10 in the world and yeah. still going. Yeah. And people want to want to uh, not not criticize him. They want to discuss what he does and how he's doing it. 
It's like yeah. motherfuckers doing something right, you know. I, I, and I'll tell you hey, something. Hey, it's like Nikki about, Six. It's like Rainbow yeah. Star. It's like you know, you don't yeah. necessarily have to be good to be massive, <laughs> you know. Well, and I'm not saying you know, Lars is bad because it takes a special type of drummer to do what he does. You oh know? man, they and they they created a whole new genre, man. I mean, the, yeah. those guys at the speed metal out of San Francisco. Are you shitting me? Yeah. I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you my funny Lars story. And I've I've met Lars a couple of times. He wouldn't know me if I walked into the room. Um, but you know, I know everybody around him. And so um, I was with the Foos in New Hampshire. There's this really great gig in New Hampshire. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, Lake Winnipesaukee. It's like ten minutes from there. And it's a small amphitheater, and it's about 8,000 seats. And, and I was there with the Foo Fighters. And it was the first show without Taylor. The first right start-off positive show with, without Taylor. And it was Josh Freeze was sitting in as the new drummer. And they were kind of like, it was, the, it was the weekend before Boston Calling. So it was, it was a great, warm, friendly, fuzzy, kind of safe gig to kind of get started, right? That's cool. And, uh, and yeah, and it was, it was a really, it was a very, it was a very happy vibe and a very sad vibe all at once, you know, as you can imagine. Of course. Um, yeah. And so, uh, this was like a they call it roadie day, like roadie day camp or something, because there's a swimming pool. There's a, there's a, like a, some kind of, uh, putting course. There's they, the catering's incredible. They give you pajamas when you leave that are embroidered Where's with that? date and everything. It, it's, it's, um. You know what? I actually have the brochure. No, I had the jacket they gave me. I, I thought it was here. Um, I'll, 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 I'll figure it out and I'll tell you. But it's a great gig. It's just outside of Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. Huh. You can probably Google it. I'll bet you. I'll bet you your your gal Sarah's all over it right now. So uh, we're sitting in catering, having a nice sitting in catering, having a nice chat, and. Um, they said, "Oh, we're the opening band," and I'm like, "Oh, so let me uh, l let me let me get my lighting guy and make sure that you you know you you get some production, you get some stuff doing. I'll get all clear with the foods to take care of you. And the foods are just you know all about being good people, and so you know I, they go, yeah, can you yeah come out and come out and and watch us.' So I got out. I think I caught the last song, and it was it was these, these two guys, and it was uh, almost like a like a White Stripes kind of thing, you know, just the 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 drummer. Not Royal Blood. And the, you know, no, the band's called Taipei Houston. Okay. And I asked them, I said, well, I said, where'd you get that name? And they said, well, we just were bored during COVID and we found the longest flight we could find was called Taipei Houston. Since we're in for the long haul, we thought we'd name ourselves after the longest flight we could find. I wow. said, well, the longest flight I was, I was on was London to Sydney. It was like 30 hours with one stop and I got drunk and sober twice on the, on the flight. So we had a good laugh, right? So they're really ni they're nice kids. So, uh, after the show, we're all hanging out, blah, blah, blah. And they say, uh, yeah, we just got signed to do opening act for such and such in Europe. I said, well, send me your itinerary. I said, I'm, I'm heading over there for, for some gigs. If I'm around, I'll, I'll pop in and try to see the show. Like I was unable to do tonight. Right. And so they send me their itinerary. I look at it and they're in Amsterdam the same day I'm in Amsterdam. And so, I, I stayed over an extra night and I went to the gig and hanging out with these kids. It was Lars's two sons. No way. And I had, I had no idea. I had no idea. And they didn't and tell they, you, which is super no, cool. No. And they were the most polite, nice, 
solid young men I'd met in a really long time. Oh, that's really cool. Doesn't yeah, happen often. Then, well, you know, so 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 my Lars story is he and his wife, I think is now his ex-wife, did a hell of a job raising these kids because they are fantastic. And the band was really fucking good. You'd probably like them, Marcel. I was yeah. kind of blown away. I'm going to you know? have to check it out. Type yeah, A Type Houston. A Houston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What else oh. you got going on? How's, how's Jeremy doing? Uh, he's off right now, so he's doing a bunch of sim racing. Um, he, I think he's doing, you know, the Daytona Rolex 24 races in a couple weeks or something. So he's doing the online version of it because his dad's about a half a million short of the half a million it takes to actually drive in the Rolex 24. <clears throat> but he, could, he couldn't he couldn't get a couldn't get a cheaper hobby, could he? No, no, it's uh, well, I mean. To be perfectly fair, like it, it's not been a hobby. It's really been his job since he was about eight years old. It's all he's wow. really done. School has been part-time. Racing's been full-time. And so even now, like he's been back for about six, six weeks, I guess. And he's on the sim every single day, at least five or six hours, wow. racing the tracks that he's planning to be racing next year. And It's uh, a passion. It's a passion. It's, you know, unfortunately, it's a, it's a job that's very hard to get paid for because there's only so many seats in the world that get paid. And there's a lot of billionaires uh, that have sons who or daughters now. Daughters is sort right. of a hot trend right now um, yeah. who want to be racing. They want a trophy racing kid. Uh, you know, it used wow. to be a tennis player. Now they want racing driver kids. So, right. um, so it's difficult. Like I talked to him. I talked to him a couple of days ago, had a long talk saying, you know, you need to start having some life plans past next year. So next year he's going to do one more season, I think in the UK. And then from there decide, Hey, is this, you know, where I invest my life? Cause then he'll, he's turning 20 next year. And yeah. so the following year he'll be tw turning 21. And I'm not saying he needs to have a career and a life planned, yeah. I'd actually rather him take three years and go backpack the world or something, you know, but right. Yeah. That's but, a good plan. But I don't want him to keep investing all of this time and effort and money and energy into, into motorsport if it's just going the way of billionaires, you know? So. We'll yeah. See. It's tough. It's tough. You know, you talk about how many seats there are. My, I mentioned Chris Kamen earlier. Yeah. We, I was talking to him one time and he, he looked at me and he just said, and I'm going to get, I'm going to get this number wrong, but it's pretty close. He goes, John, there, there's like 10 billion people on planet Earth, and there's 360 NBA players. Yeah, crazy. He said, it? the funnel gets tight. He goes, I just happen to be blessed with a seven-foot frame, and I worked hard uh, and had some skills, and I was able to do it. He said, but, you know, it's, 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 the, it's the bottleneck, you know. No, it's, it's totally it's, true. You well, it's, it's like, and it, it's like, I, I, I think you'd be, I think you're a lot better off with him than like, I see some of these families who, who go all in for their kid to be an NFL player, or all in for their kid to be, you know, in major racing's even worse. Racing's even worse. Like I know people literally who have sold their company, sold their house, sold everything they have to keep wow. their kid in the dream to, to get there. Right. And fortunately we've got some good friends and some, some companies yep. that I've done a lot for who, who are willing to support him. Um, so that helps a lot, Yeah. but you know, even then it's, it's like, I'm still paying the other half and, and right. it's just, it's, it's hard. So, you know, realistically, like in, in, 
so you talk about 360 players or whatever in motorsport there's 20 in formula one and wow. there's i think there's 28 in indycar are you shitting and me so in open wheel racing that's it <laughs> you've basically got 48 seats paid in the world and of those 48 seats like in indycar now there's probably about 10 that are paid for by the dads but they look like employees, but the dad paid for, like, you know, I have a few friends who happen to be very wealthy and one just finished doing a deal for $12 million for two years for his kid to race an IndyCar. Uh, one did a deal last year, eight and a half million for two years in IndyCar. And the wow. difference in price just is the quality of the team that you're on, right? Penske's well, and of, the, and, of those, and of those of those 40 that you see, just take Indy, for example, I can, you know, the general public can name maybe the top three people, and then the other thirty-seven. You don't know who the hell they are. Yeah, and, and they're, they're they're and they're finishing like, you know, twenty seconds behind, and they're nobodies. <laughs> it's crazy. No, it's it's true, yeah. but yeah. but you know, they have one of those coveted seats. When you move into like, uh, you know, tin tops as the Brits call them, cars with doors and a roof, you know, GT cars or whatever. NASCAR. There's a lot more paid seats. Not NASCAR, but like Porsche GT Cup. Uh, BMW, GT, Ferrari, okay. Lamborghini, all the all the GT stuff, especially in Europe, is huge. And so you can go, a driver, if you meet the right people and you win the right races, you can go live in Germany and race professionally and make 300,000 euro a year. Have a good as life. As a professional driver, live with a supermodel and have a great life. And um, Jeremy would be perfectly happy with that. He's not looking to get rich and famous. He's looking to drive a car for a living. And Isn't that awesome though? Outside it's good Uber. for him. <laughs> you know, not an Uber, <laughs> not but, an Uber. uh, yeah. So, um, so I was going to ask you about business like 2023. So here's the progression that I've heard from most people. 22 was batshit crazy, you know, just like completely exploded out of the gate and at never the end, slowed down. At, at the, at the end. At the end. Really? It took it a while. So, yeah, well, if you think about it, that COVID was about 18 to 24 months. And so that the, the shit hit the fan March 15th, March 18th, 2020, which I happen to know that because that was when we did the... the yeah, that the, Zoom call thing. The, yeah, the motherfucking day 91. middle thing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. When I, when I said, ah, this is bullshit. There's, there's no way they're going to cancel these. You know, yeah, I just was yeah. completely called it all Well, bullshit. I remember you saying PRG is fucked if they cancel the Olympics. And then it yeah. was the Berlin Auto Show or something, And then right? it's this, and then it's that. Yeah, yeah, you kept raising the bar a little bit. Well, you know PRG what? PRG survived it, and almost everyone survived it, which is incredible. You know? It's incredible. You know, what What a fucking mess. So I would say, I wouldn't say 2022 was bonkers. I would say the end of 2022, it started gearing up. Because remember, Marcel, it was still tentative. Yeah. Is, is this is this coming back? Or, you know, is, is this shit really gone? Or are they going to act like it's gone? Or, you know, what's going to really happen here? 2023 exploded. Yeah. Just exploded, you know. And, and, and I mean, like... So you had 18 to 20 months of delayed touring put on top of the touring that was going to happen already. And I kept, you know, then I, my doomsday was when are people going to run out of money? You know, and and, and at what point are they going to stop putting this shit on their credit cards? You know, and and so uh, like next year is, next year is teaming up, you know, our, our, our board and our, our, uh, our, our, you know, 
management at PRG, they came and they said, you know, do you think you guys can do a 10, 12% increase? You know, because th there's this corporate bullshit where you got to, it's, it's an automatic, you're going to grow every year, right? So, like, you know, I say to them, look, there was one point where, where someone in, in management said to me, oh, you know, we're $12 million off. And I just said, no, no, you're not. I said, you're not. I said, there's, there's things that are going to fill in, things that are going to happen that we don't even know about, but I can guarantee you they're, they're going to happen. They said, well, you know, how do you know this? And I said, because it happens every fucking year. Yeah. It happens every year. Yeah. And, 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 and they, they wanted a further explanation. And at this point, Marcel, I was getting a little frustrated by, by the, what no I shit. thought to yeah, be it's repetitively stupid fucking questions, right? Well, that's and why I they said, call it a forecast too, right? It, well, it's yeah. not called a guarantee or a promise or a whatever. It's called a forecast, you know? Well, We're you know, guessing. you, we, we learn or, or we don't learn from history, you know, mm -hmm. history repeats itself. You can, you know, like, like not to get political, but the Holocaust now with this other shit's going on. It's like, haven't we already been to this fucking rodeo? And no so, kidding. so, you know, I said to them, cause you know, you know me, Marcel, I can be colorful at times. I finally said, look, <laughs> let me explain this to There's you. An okay. Statement. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're the tail of the dog. Okay. And we're the part of the tail that's right by the asshole where the <laughs> shit comes out. Okay. And I said, I said, and the dog is the artists and live nation and AEG and the remaining in independent promoters who own venues that they have to put something in. Okay. And they have to put something in, even if it's shit to get the parking money, the popcorn money, the beer money, the t-shirt concession slice, all of that stuff has to happen. I said, they have a bigger problem than we do mm -hmm. because they're, they have more at risk than we do. They have empty real estate sitting there that they're paying taxes on. They have staff and everything else. So I can just fucking guarantee you that something's going to go in there and they're going to need something from either us or Solitech or four wall or whoever happens to be in it. And I said, we will get our slice of that pie. So get the fuck out of my office and stop asking these <laughs> stupid questions. That's, and that's what I said. Yeah. Did you, I, see, I, I, did you see Rapino's I kicked guy, I kicked, article? I kicked him out of my office. That's <laughs> What's hilarious. That? Get out. Yeah. Okay, I'm get sorry, fuck John. out. That's <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. Did you see the, I, I might've even sent it to you, the Rapino article about uh, how artists have these massive social media followings now. And he said, I mean, basically, it was him talking to shareholders pretty much saying, look, we got loads of blue sky and, and lots of untapped potential still. This market's going to grow big time. And they were like, yeah, so how? And he said, well, pick artist A, for example, has 10 million people that follow him on each of these social media platforms. Our job is easy. All we have to do is sell tickets to 5% of them. Well, and that, and that's what these guys do is they play the percentages. They go, look, if we sell three percent, that's all yeah. we got to do. You know, so our job is to capture social three media to five percent, and that's it. You know, that's and incredible, got, though. That's yeah, that's an, it's an incredible concept that they're milking it that hard. You know what I mean? Like, they're well, that's that's ex that's exactly how I would look at it. Yeah, you know? because we're we're in a percentages game. You know, we're just in a percentages game. We're gonna like people say, you know, is, is who's the number one company in the world? I go, well, what fucking day is it? 
you know yeah. it, it's it might, I, today might be my day tomorrow might be mickey kerbish's day the next yeah. day might be whoever's running for a while i don't even know yeah. um you know it's I it's think, i think it's, it's still west it, today I, I don't know i've never met him i don't know the guy you haven't met west um, i don't think so if i have he wasn't very memorable He's he's an interesting guy. It's an interesting story because he he used to I think and Wes, if you're listening and I'm misquoting this, I'm sorry, but I think he was actually a farmhand or a ranch hand that worked for Mike Cannon on Michael's ranch. Oh, and well, good. Uh, smart, and Michael smart hired guy. him to come work at Four Wall, and then when he sold Four Wall, uh, they kept Wes, and somehow he became the CEO, and and he's done very well. In, well, good for him. You know what? That that's role. that. That's the American. That's the it American really dream. Is. It's a good work story. ethic. Yeah, good work ethic. You know, work your way to the top. Shit, dude. I was. I was a. I started out as a stagehand unloading trucks. You know, I was. I was uh, absolutely uh, floundering. Didn't know what I was going to do. I had a lot of a lot of plans. I was gonna maybe go to law school. I was going to maybe do this, do that. And I just fell into the music business because my girlfriend worked at the student union, and I ended yeah. up unloading a truck one day. And so, you know, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> You would have made a good uh, a good litigator. Oh yeah, you're, you're a, a good arguer. Litigator. You don't lose a lot well, of arguments. No, and it it, it 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 did me well in the XL video chaos lawsuit because man, I I dug in. I was like, th- that was law school for me, dude. That was 18 months, 14 hours a day, and running a business with Nick, trying to keep everything afloat. That was a that was. A, I remember sitting down in court every day and looking over because you know, they sued Val Docs too, who's our general yeah, manager. Yeah. And I remember looking at Val and I'm just going, "Man, isn't this fascinating?" And he yeah. goes, "What are you nuts?" And I go, "Well, look, I wish it wasn't us, but this is really, you know." It's you're so funny. Room. That's the same it's, way I was with Google. I was like, right. I was in awe half the time, going, "Wow, I feel like this is television," you know. But it's actually I'm the one getting fucked, not the actor it, on no, TV, it, you know. It, exactly. And yeah. then and 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 yeah, and it was. To me, there. I look. I, you're either going to be miserable, or you're going to embrace it and have some fun with it. And I just mm-hmm. embraced it and had as much fun as I possibly could. I, I just loved intimidating the lawyers on the other side because they didn't fucking know what to make I know. of me. That's I told one fun. guy he's going to throw him out a window one time. Oh, he looked Jesus. at me and I, 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 I said, "Look, shrug your shoulders at me one more fucking time." And I, I, I said, "I'm coming over this table. And I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you." <laughs> and then I'm going to. And he goes, "You can't speak to my co-counsel that way." I go, "Really, pal?" I go, "When I'm done with him." the fuck do you think's gonna happen to you that's hilarious. i said i'll throw you out the fucking window we're on the 40th floor and they just and i said try me i said fucking try it that's funny and they shut and they and they and they just shut down so john was 23 your biggest year personally um without giving me any numbers uh well, i think my biggest year personally is I, I i i sold a couple of companies back in the last 20 years and those were like one-time big hits Right. No, but I mean, biggest year as far as as you know the the amount of business you ran. Oh, a hundred, a hundred percent. Yeah. For 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 me personally, under yeah. the the PRG umbrella and what yeah. I handle between myself, and I'm 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 fortunate enough to have really great people around me, like you know, like Burton Tannenbaum and Luch, and we've got some really great young people coming up, Brooke, and we've got we just you know Paige Newman who, you know, her father and I are friends for years and years. We, we were always on different sides of the, the, of, the, of the table, but always, you know, respectfully enjoyed each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got some great people underneath. So I'm tied to a lot of those people, Yvonne and James Morton. And, you know, there's just some, you know, uh, Richie Garad. There's just some really great people in our organization. And Team John kicked ass this year. 
you know what we 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 it was we were firing on on all it was like a v12 uh firing on every cylinder it just yeah. it was it was magical it it was it was a lot of work but it was a lot of, i mean these are the kind of problems so you know someone would complain i go are you fucking kidding me this, this is shit we dream about bring it on so you're you're probably in weeks of budgeting meetings and stuff now and uh or no i don't go done on now you don't no i just give him a number is the number bigger for next year uh my number I think our number is a little bit bigger for next year, but that's not the beauty of being part of like an organization like PRG when you're in the sales force is that, you know, everything hit last year, right? But when I say everything, I'm talking about in concert touring because that's primarily where I am. But I'm involved yeah. in some art art stuff. I'm involved in television. Mm -hmm. I'm involved, like I just got a call to be involved as like an associate producer to do a, a Netflix thing with Adam Sandler which I'm going to work for his, his brother and his niece and his executive producer who does all his films. I'm like way under them, helping them out. So there's all, uh, you know, there's all these different verticals that if like music hit on all cylinders, but we had the SAG strike Ugh. and we had the writer's strike, Brutal. which just completely uh, shut down, you know, 90% of our film and television division. Right. So, so you know what you know what it is marcel it's like if i'm hitting on all 12 cylinders those guys are hitting on zero cylinders so now it all just kind of evens out if they well, if all of the divisions ever hit at once yeah it would be spectacular but well, i mean like happen. during covid you had a little bit of television you had lots of install work that was still being done yeah and those like i remember solo tech telling me probably beginning of 21 of or stuff. something 50 percent. they said uh um what was it we're at uh 50 percent. no they were at 30 percent overall but 50 percent. i don't remember anyways it all came from install work 50 percent of their business is install yeah and that Flat carried out. them that carried them and that, and that carried them through and and we we, we we didn't do that much of that those guys that's something we haven't really focused on but but yeah. I, what i'm saying is that you know mu like in 23 music was hitting but it was making up for some of the losses in some of the other parts of the company now yeah. next year music might we not might not be firing on all 12 cylinders we might be firing on you know eight yeah. but the, but the, but the four that were dead in TV and film are going to be revived again, and that's going to make up the difference. And that's yeah. the beauty of being in an organization that's not just one vertical, right? Yeah. Just one vertical. You've got you've got complementary um, things. I mean, and the other thing too that I think makes us a little bit different. This this is Jerry Harris's vision that has actually come true, and he and he and he he expresses it well. We're the production resource group, which means we're a group of people that have resources that know how to do production, right? And so a lot of why we did well last year is I didn't get in bidding wars with people to drive the price down to get a, you know, a, a X tour or a Y tour. We got interesting projects where we were able to work hand in hand with artists to bring their, their vision to the stage. That is magic. Yeah. That it's magic on a business end, but it's also magic personally because you know, as a salesman, I'm not a, I, I don't play guitar. I don't play, you know, any instruments. I've, you know, I play the telephone, but basically there's a, there's, there is a little bit of artwork to a deal. 
and you have to make these deals. But we also those. Wait, didn't I read production... that book? Did you come up with a book? The art of the deal. Oh no, no, <laughs> no, no that no, was no, the other guy. That was that's the, other, the guy. other guy. That's yeah. the other guy. But it, you know what? But the other part too is that we're able to make it work financially for people. So, so we have the financial ability. So we go a lot deeper than I think the other companies. I'm not disparaging them in any way because yeah. every every company has has you know there, there's things that are wrong with us, but there's some pretty cool shit that we're able to do that nobody else is able to do. Yeah. We're able to have the, the the financial resources, the people who actually know production, and there's a group of us, and you know we're in 60 locations around the world. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so our projects and why we did last really well last year was we weren't bidding on a square video screen or a uh, hundred rigging motors. You know, yeah. that's a com when you're in the, when you're a hundred percent commoditized, which is what we are not, you know, yeah. we're, we're, we're commodity, but we also have some secret sauce that we can apply to it. And from yeah. a financial standpoint yeah. and from a creative standpoint, our projects division did some amazing, amazing creative development and, delivered products like like there was an art art basil or art basil project down in miami about two weeks ago where i did a project through an artist that i knew in los angeles he's kind of like a young andy warhol where we 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 created seven led screens for him that we delivered in 68 days into this this project for bmw right mm. and then then we built we built uh, spheres for Coldplay play uh, uh tour that that fit the uh, the narrative of, of music of the spheres, right? We we built uh, Beyonce. You know, she wanted this this uh, you know, and, and and the process with her was probably two and a half three years, and that was uh, basically it was a an LED screen that was kind of you know a little bit smaller than a football field that, that flipped up and it had a big opening in the middle of it, and you know we in in the in the creative discussions is like okay we can. We, we can stagger it with, you know, because the LEDs come in squares, so we can stagger the squares and we can build a border around it. And she's like, nah, I want it to be an infinity. So we build the little pieces that make the difference that so it looks like, you know, the edge of an infinity pool. And so huh. when you're looking into that thing, there's no big black border that's that's like drawing your eye to it. And the fact that she had the vision and the people at Stewfish could translate that to us through her and through through the meetings, and then we're able to very much so at the very last minute have Frederick Opsimer and his team uh, outside of, uh, of Belgium and Ustanda uh, build that with with uh, our, our our office in China who's on the production line getting it done and oh, deliver wow. it on time. Yeah, no, we we Fred, we've got Frederick's a, whole... a smart dude. I remember I had him on a podcast once, and uh, really really he's smart delightful, guy. interesting guy. He, he's he's delightful. He's yeah. big into the racing. He, he'd be a yeah. good one. To a lot of guys in our business are. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people in our business. It, it's crazy when I go to LDI or whatever. Now, I have more people coming up to me in the aisles asking me about Jeremy than I do asking about gear or asking about whatever. It's it's always yeah. hey your kid I follow your kid so what's going on you know. Oh, it's that's like nice. This, uh, you know the drive to survive Netflix thing. So. Netflix, I wanted to talk to you about this because I know we're both fans of two guys who have had very controversial specials on Netflix. And, <laughs> I love and them. You might have some insight into this, but how the hell? And so there's Dave Chappelle is, is sort of at one level from a standpoint of crudeness. But this new Ricky Gervais thing. So 
funny story because I watched it with my girlfriend and uh, like her niece and her niece's boyfriend and her sister and stuff. Okay, that would and be they're, interesting. They're a little less, uh, I don't know, Republican or whatever you want to call it than I am. <laughs> okay, okay. They were like shocked. Like they couldn't believe it. And uh, It's comedy. It it's is comedy. comedy. It's but he just comedy. is so in your face, you know, I'm woke now. His whole, like, no, I'm no, woke. No, 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 but he, no, but, but God bless it. Go back to the last time that he hosted, I think the Golden Globes, yes. where he stood up Insanely there and fucking funny. excoriated yeah. Apple and yeah. talked to him all about how if, if the Taliban or ISIS. Yeah, if ISIS had, did a, had a show, a, you'd be it, calling it, your agents. <laughs> If ISIS had a channel, you'd be called calling your agents, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and he and he said, "Oh, don't come up here and don't thank your God. You just just say hello, say thank you, and get the fuck off the stage." <laughs> yeah. The guy is saying what I think a lot of people are thinking, of but they're course. afraid. They're afraid to like. It's, but the it's funniest part that, of that Golden Globes speech was like when they flashed to like Tom Hanks Apple, or yeah. Ron Howard or yeah Tim Cook from Apple, and they were trying to like. Uh, they didn't know yeah. what to do. Like, they knew it was funny, but they couldn't laugh, and and you it know was what? so they, rude. They would have and... they, they, they been so much smarter to just howl at themselves uh, yeah. and try to look serious about it all. Because you know what? That's you know we did. You and I have talked about this a little bit, and and uh, you know I'm I'm a libertarian. I'm 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 pretty much down the middle, but I lean towards the right, towards conservative values. I think we're the same. Um, yeah, and and you know. I'm, I, I can have a I can have a conversation with a Democrat and I can learn something, you know, I could like, oh, I hadn't thought about that, you know, and I can it, it, have a conversation with a with a Republican or a, or a libertarian or something. I always am open to learning something. Right. I, I find that the left is really dug in and they, they get they go from zero to 100 angry. It's just my perception. Right. That is um, mine. And as that's well. and that's what happens in this comedy stuff. Like, I love it when they're taking the piss out of Republicans or when they're making fun of Trump or they're making fun of, you know, whoever, right? It, I think it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's satire. Yeah. It's comedy. It's yeah. funny. And, you know, God bless them if they can't just have a good laugh. You know, if we can't laugh at ourselves, we're fucked. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. But I mean, that, so did you see the new Ricky Gervais yet? No, you told me about it. Oh my God, John. There's my, this, my pro, my there's one scene, there's I, one scene that's a, that he's talking about. Um, don't tell me. Don't tell no, me. No, I'm just going to tell you a little bit of it. He's talking about handicapped kids and. Oh, I saw it. The I part of, about the kid basically earning a puppy. The kid wanted a puppy. And so he had to work for it. Oh my, I, I was like, <gasps> Like, I love I love how he halfway through this these absolutely cringeworthy comedies he'll go he'll go what what he'll he'll like he'll challenge you you know I'm right in the yeah. middle of it yeah you've seen it you know I'm right yeah I know what you're thinking yeah but I'm just yeah. thinking I like in my head I'm thinking you know I know where Netflix is based I know what kind of people work there I know who they vote for and I know what the company generally stands for. There's got to be a room full of people who saw this and just went. We can't no, put no, this no, buddy. It, no, it was it was big news, Marcel. Go back a couple of years when Chappelle came out with yeah. his with his special that was like super in the libs face, right? Yeah. They all walked out. Yeah, and they demanded that he be canceled. Yeah, and whoever runs Netflix said, "Go fuck yourself." Yeah, it's comedy, and I thought, wow. 
There's yeah. somebody that's really, you know, there's, there's a corporation that's got the, it's like, you know what? You work here. You chose, you, this is our thing. You're not going to tell us how to do this. Yeah. You know, it's, and it's, it's like that. I think that's the only time I've seen some big company do something like that, where I have said fucking right on somebody over there with, with, with a spine. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's one thing like when Dana White does it from the UFC, <laughs> but you know, you know what his audience is like. They're all right wing redneck yeah, but guys I, but I, watching I, I fighting, honestly, right? I, but Netflix I honestly thought, I honestly thought Netflix, Netflix was going to fold up their tent and cancel Chappelle. And yeah. I was shocked that they said, you know what? It's free speech. It's comedy. Go fuck yourself. Get back yeah. to work or you're fired. Because that's how I would, that's what I would say. But when you see, when you see the Ricky Gervais one, you'll understand. I mean, it's next level stuff, this thing, you know, it's like he, he just said, okay, let's see how far we can push this thing. You know, <laughs> let me see how far I can go before somebody says, no, Ricky. Have, have you seen, have you, he's, he's got a, uh, it's, I think it's like a two season series on prime video or yeah. Netflix or yeah. whatever it is. What's it where, I don't know, but he's, he's, uh. He's walking by, he's walking by his nephew's like playground on his way to work, and this little this this little chubby redheaded kid's going, "Pedo, pedo, you're pedo," and he goes, he goes, "Fuck you, little ginger. If I was gonna fuck somebody, you'd be the last one I fuck now. Go fuck yourself." And it's <laughs> just hilarious. like, did he just say that? It was fantastic. But That's if you hilarious. go back, he, there was a you know I'm a big Gervais fan, and I'm I, and and thanks for the tip. I'm looking forward to seeing that right because we're so die. overwhelmed with content these days. It's like, what do you watch, right? I'm actually watching The Sopranos start to finish again right now. Oh my God. I'm like on show. season two and I'm going, God, I don't remember this. Except episode. for the it's final fantastic. episode. Such a great yeah. show. Such a the great don't show. stop believing thing at the end. I just wanted to yeah. kill them for that. It was like, come but, on. Ger but Gervais, Gervais had an HBO show where it was him uh, and the other two guys, I can't remember their names. Um, they were, they were in a studio talking at the very beginning. And as they're speaking, a very slow wave comes across them and they all turn into cartoons and it's a, and it's the three of them doing a podcast and they, and it's probably one of the best shows I've ever seen. Huh. Um, I, I, you have to you go look that's up. On H, what? I think HBO? it was on H I think it was on HBO and it was like probably 15 years ago and it's him and, uh, uh, gosh, I can't remember the other two guys names, but the, there's the one kind of goofy guy they keep sending out to do weird shit. Right. And he comes back. Uh, uh, merchant. Uh, one of the guys' last names is Merchant, and I forget the other guy's name. But you sh you should actually watch it. But the beginning of it is the three of them kind of sitting there like you with the microphone around about like a half moon table, and it just slowly sweeps over, and they all turn into cartoons. And each episode is completely different. It's fucking hilarious. You know what I need is I I need our new producer Sarah to like you know just like Jamie on the Joe Rogan show I need to say hey yeah. Sarah look that up and then she'll come back and go yeah it's the Joe Schmo show or whatever. Well that's right? what I thought she was doing with the uh Well with, no with, she with... she wasn't. She just doesn't follow along like that. Like she's she's learning the ropes right now. So it's we got It's been gotta... nice knowing you Sarah. It's been nice knowing you. <laughs> I can see her so she's uh She's making fun of us right now. Now she's going, that guy does look like an old man. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I I got the Ricky thing way late. Like, I I didn't even really know who he was. I knew who he was to look at him or whatever. He he did some funny shows and stuff that I saw. Yeah. But I really got into him 
either the Golden Globes thing or the first uh, Netflix special that he did, which just completely cracked me up. And then I just became a huge fan and I'm taking any of the so, content. So go back and look for that show. I was telling you that turns into a cartoon. And then yeah. um, he's got an, another show. It's, it's either Prime or Netflix where he works in a small town newspaper and his wife has passed away. And he's got these cast of characters around him and they go into these situations. It's, it's almost like Curb Your Enthusiasm-esque, right? Like, Ugh, like he, takes this, he, he, takes this, he takes this guy with him who's like the photographer, who's this, you know, really kind of frumpy, obese, kind of slow-moving guy. And like they're, they're interviewing a lady who makes um, pudding with breast milk. Right. But he doesn't know it's breast milk. And they're talking oh about God. how great this, this pudding is. And oh she, she says, God. would you like some? And he goes, oh, no, I'm OK. And he hears this and he looks over and the big fat guys. And he goes, you know, you sent me this clip, I'm sure, on Instagram. at One of your three o'clock in the morning clips that you send me. Yeah, exactly. I wake up every morning and I look at the Instagram videos that john sent me overnight to figure out dude i can't sleep. what you've been up to i, I see that i, can't I, sleep. I, I know i, I talked to you at like all one... kinds of different times it's crazy yeah, it's like, so somebody said were you are you jet lagged from the last trip i got i think i'm jet lagged from like the last 40 years i my if i get five in a row i'm like yes john you're you're uh you're staying pretty healthy i mean you're in your i won't say your age but no i'm 65 i'm okay you're 65 yeah so you know, you're, you're very healthy for a guy who for the first half of his life, you know, oh, yeah. couldn't stuff enough shit up his nose or drink enough alcohol or be yeah. destructive enough. And then yeah. plus the stress and the travel and everything that our business throws at you, you're very healthy. So is that by accident or are you, do you have some sort of a routine? Like what do you well, do to stay it, healthy? I'll tell you what, it's, it's genes. It's just hmm. jeans. You know what? I, I'm like, like what, you buy a lot them of my family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, buy them, buy them loose. Uh, so, you know, it, it's like my, 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 my mother and father, my, my father passed away in a car accident when he was like in his early fifties. So there's not too good history there, but his, his family was very healthy. My mom's side of the family, you know, they, they were Danish. My Danish, my mom was Danish and Italian 50, 50. And then my, my dad was, pretty much Scotch, English, Irish, right? W Wiseman is a Scottish name, huh. you know, and I, ironically, I get invited to a ton of bar mitzvahs. It's weird. With I all assumed the Jewish... you were Jewish. No, no, no. Somewhere the Jewish, there, you know? Yeah. With all the Jewish shit going on right now, I, I get drawn into it by accident because of my last name. And I'm like, yeah. I'm fucking Scott. I'm just fucking Scottish, you know? Yeah. Um, People and, say and I prayers did... in Hebrew and stuff. And you're like, what is this? Dude, I did the DNA test just thinking maybe that there was. And it's flat out exactly what my parents told me. I'm, my, my mom's half, half Danish and my mom is half Italian. Her, her parents were, were her, her dad was right off the boat from Italy. Uh, her mom was right off the boat from, from Copenhagen. And then the other side of it, the Wiseman side, they came over like in the 1600s from, you know, to escape whatever the fuck was going on over there. And they're, they're all Midwest, you know, we're all Ohio and Arkansas. And so, um, you know, now, I mean, I've, I've, I, I've been very lucky. Like my first wife who did not do drugs or alcohol, but just finally said to me, well, you know, what, why don't you just fall down like everybody else? And I said, God, I, you know, I wish I would and make, make this a lot easier to stop. Oh, my frozen again. You were for a second. 
it's coming back. Okay, so I'm back. So yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a good gene pool, but you know, the last 28 years, I haven't had a drop of alcohol or a drug or anything else, and I've tried to eat well, and I I have from those good genes that I talk about. I have obese people on either side of the family, so I'm highly aware that I have to be really careful about what yeah. I eat and and some kind of thing. And I and I, I I boxed off and on for about 25 years. That was a great way to keep, um, you know, g- to get the aggression out, but also to keep keep fit, right? Yeah. And now now I have a I have a pretty decent. I try to walk 10,000 steps a day. I'm unsuccessful, yeah. but I try. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I just the you know, sleep I, thing I, though. Like one day when you and I have some time, you know, I've studied it a bunch. I pay a lot of attention to it. Sleep is yeah. a very, very important thing. One thing you Super could do important. this this ring that I wear is called an aura ring. Okay. Um, get one of those. It's O U R A, and it tracks okay. your sleep and it tracks your activity. It tracks all kinds of stuff, and it does it in the background. You don't have to do anything. You charge it yeah. every three or four days or whatever, five days, yeah. and. Uh, but you start realizing what your patterns are and where you're going wrong. And, you know, getting seven hours sleep a night in a row, like really changes. Well, it's, 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 it's not going to happen because of my travel schedule and the different time zones I'm in. It's just, and I, and I, and I, and I push myself because I just push myself. I can tell you what my sleep patterns are. They're completely fucked. You know, <laughs> I, I don't need a ring to tell me that. <laughs> If I stayed home for six months. We're trying months, to fix it, though, John. We're trying to yeah, fix it. It's not just discovering me. it. Believe By paying me, attention got, to it and looking yeah. at what's going on and then looking for improvements, you know, it's, yeah. it's poking you constantly to improve it a bit. Well, but, let, me talk about the, let me talk about the health thing really quick, too. Yeah. Because the one thing that I have always done, even when I was not behaving well, is I always got an annual physical. Yeah. Always. And, and, and I always stayed up on that. And so... Um, it's De- it's the end of December 2023 right now. Um, in September of 2022, my I went and I had my physical and did the blood test and I do the whole. I mean, I do everything. And the doctor says, "Hey, everything's great. You having any issues?" I said, "Well, I'm having this one kind of issue, blah blah blah." And he goes, "Ah, you know what? You know, let's check your PSA. And you know, your PSA is fine. Last year, it hasn't gone up. You know, and PSA relates to prostate. For those who don't know." And, um, and so he said, well, you know what? Uh, yeah, you should be fine. So I talked to my, that's my doctor up here. Then I talked to my doctor down in LA that I've had forever. And he said, man, let's, let's, let's do this particular test. And just, just to make sure you're good. And I said, okay. So I went in long story short, prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. All right. That was uh, September of 2022. And so he's like, okay, so you know, and here's, here's where, here's where you have to be an advocate on your own behalf with your medical guys. You don't just like a, a lot of, a lot of people, just the doctor says it, he's the doctor, blah, blah, blah. My doctor said, look, here's your options. Now, now you got to be a detective on your own behalf, right? You have to be an advocate on your own behalf. So man, I just dove into it. So I became the absolute authority on prostate cancer to the point to where I've had two friends that I've actually shepherded in who have been through the same procedures I've been and they're both successfully okay now too. Wow. So, yeah, so I so um my doctor said read this book from a guy named Dr. Patrick Walsh. He's the he wrote the book on men's prostate cancer. 
a very readable book, got it on Amazon, read it, went through it. So this Patrick Walsh guy, he's the guy. So I call him. He's at the, he's at the, you know, people go, you just call him? I go, yeah, it's a fucking human being. So I just found his phone number. I called him at, uh, I called him at the um, Johns Hopkins in Baltimore and I got him on a phone. And I'm like, hey, this is my deal. You know, uh, I want to. I think I want to get my prostate removed, but I don't want to. I don't want to lose the ability to, uh, you know, have sex, and I don't want to lose the, my my, you know, have problems with my bladder and all these other things. All the other stuff that ten years ago op- automatically happened to you. You, you, you were never able to perform. You never were able. You had problems urinating. All these things that ten years ago were were now they they had fixed them through technology, right? And this guy was the leader in the technology. And I said, okay, I'll fly back to Baltimore. I want you to do my surgery. And he says, well, I'm, I'm the last 10 years I've taught people. So he's telling me about this. So I said, okay, look, I, I, I'm, he says, where are you located? And I said, well, this is a karma thing too. This is going to crack you up, Marcel. I said, well, I'm on the West coast so I can go to LA and go to San Francisco, what I need to do. And he goes, well, actually he goes, what city are you in? I said, I live in Reno, Nevada. He goes, oh, Dr. Angelo Canellis, he's one of the top three in the nation. He said he's, he, all he does is, is this robotic surgery with the Da Vinci machine. He's your guy. He's the best guy. You're fucking kidding me. That's crazy. So, yeah, and it's because I had the balls, probably from my sales you know, background. I just picked up the phone and went through Johns Hopkins till I found the guy and got him on the phone. Huh. So then I do the same thing in Reno. I get this Canellis guy on the phone. I meet with him. I went to high school with the fucking guy. Him and I were in Reno High together. Right. And, and he's like top three in the world of doing this surgery in Reno, Nevada. That's and crazy. it's like, a, it's like, that's a, that's a, that's a shot from God. Right. Yeah, so I meet with the guy, we sit down and I said, you know, Angelo, I got to tell you, I just, I don't really remember. I don't remember you from high school. And he goes, well, I remember you. And I went, eh, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And he goes, no, you were always really kind, but you were pretty fucking wild. I said, yeah. I said, well, he goes, John, you know, some of us had to go to class. Some of us had to study. And I said, well, Angelo, I'm so glad you did. So long story short, he sits down, we do it. And, you know, I go in, I had the surgery in December. I'm home. Surgery December 1, I'm home December 3rd, uh, healed up. I'm, I'm 100% back to everything normal and I'm cancer free. You know, it's, but it's because I did an annual checkup. It's because yeah. I didn't fuck around and I, and I became an advocate on my own behalf to find out what the best thing to do. You know, was, John, right? it's such an important point and, and very timely because uh, I listened uh, this morning on my long walk. I listened to um, Joe Rogan's latest podcast, which is with a guy named uh, uh, Brigham Bueller. And okay. I've heard him before. I've, I've learned a bunch from this guy before, but he talked about exactly pretty much what you're talking about right now, which is you have to manage your health because what your doctor is doing, what your insurance company is doing, what all of these hospitals and everybody are doing, they're managing the expense. They're basically, they're going to push you towards whatever earns them the most money and away from whatever earns them the least money or costs them the most money. And so you have to be paying very close attention and insurance is, is not really insurance. It's what did they call it? They called it healthcare management. Uh, well, it's a, they're, they're all really actuaries. They're ga- they're gamblers. They're gambling. Yeah, it's not they're even gambling. that anymore now, though, because they own they own so many components of the healthcare circle. You know. No, and- no, no. But no. But my point is, it, it's it's no different than life insurance. 
they, they, they've got, you know, 10,000 accountants in a room with spreadsheets who go, okay, if we charge these guys a thousand dollars and if, 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 if X amount of them get sick and we're able to mitigate the costs, you know, they're, they're rolling the dice is what they're doing. And then they're, then they're becoming the house it's worse than that. because they it's own worse the, than they that. own the fuck they own the fucking the health what, what if they, they what if they were the house casino but they knew what your next card was because that's what these people are so they're no, what they're doing 100%. they have access to your data so they know no, i know what your tests are showing they know the size of your prostate they know the last time you did whatever or what they know what's coming and so they know when to jack up your rates. They know when to cut you. And the, and, and the problem is, is that is that we are we are trained to be trusting of institutions. You know, let's not even yeah. get into the COVID bullshit we all just went through that now has yeah. been revealed as like okay, half of oh, it was of just they, they they didn't know they were just talking yeah. shit, but they they would stop you from working. But but like the so I became an advocate on my behalf. And I can't tell you how many times I said, no, go fuck yourself. I paid for this. This is what we're going to do. My yeah. doctor's telling me this is this. And you know what? My, 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 my healthcare consultant who is blah, blah, blah. I, you know what? And what I did, Marcel, was I just ordered what needed to be ordered. And I did what needed to be did, done. And when they gave me the bills, I told them to go fuck themselves. And they folded and went away. <laughs> That's hilarious. Nobody yeah, fights I mean them. Seriously, do yourself a favor. Listen to this podcast, the Joe Rogan from today or I yesterday will. or whatever. Uh, Brigham uh, Brigham Bueller, I think his name is. Really, really smart dude. He he owns like a company called something well to will to well or well to something or other. But he goes outside insurance. It's a it's a cash pay yeah. uh, healthcare model. And one of the other problems is they won't do tests that are. Um, you know, longevity tests or things okay, so, that are so, really so, for your health. So, so let me tell you about this. This morning, I was talking to a, f- a former board member who's a friend of mine from 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 PRG. But he, this guy's this guy's involved. He's like he's a partner with Richard Branson on the on this on the Virgin Galactica. He's in, he's into he's into everything, right? So he told me he goes, "I'm going to send you something that because he's 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 one of the top guys in this healthcare thing." And he, he said, there's a test, and I'll pull up the name of it here. He said, there's a test that you can take. It's $700, and it will tell you what cancers you'll have before they even reach stage yeah. one. Yeah, early, and it comes from early this, cancer screening. Yeah. Well, I know, I know one, uh, which is, uh, um, ba, 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 ba. oh, God, I almost did it. It's, it's not that expensive at all, and it does like it tests for a hundred different things, including heavy metals. That's 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 the one I'm talking about, and he's yeah. he's on the board of that company. And oh, here it is, uh, the company. So the company that he's on the it's board probably of, da- Mark Hi- Mark Hyman's company, uh, which is called. Uh... He's this guy's. He's a vice chairman. Of the, he's called it's called it's called the Buck Institute. The Buck oh, yeah, Institute a is one. apparently very very famous thing and it's it's a health cheat sheet and so what do you say about third one down uh it's a test i don't want to eat up all your time here i'll, I'll let you know when you no, can pass okay. it on but it's 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 a test and he said so he's talking to the cso's and the cto's of these companies saying why don't you guys pay for this test and they said well because you know what this, this fucking blew my mind. 
we don't want to pay for those tests because, you know, we have a turnover of employees about every two or three years. So we don't get any benefit from finding out that they're going to be sick because they're going to be gone anyway. Jesus. Think that's, about that. That's dark. <laughs> you know who else is that's a brilliant your, that's guy That's your actuary. Gary Brecka. Gary Brecka. Gary Brecka is the guy who transformed uh, Dana White. And Dana White okay. was like pre-diabetic, way overweight. Yeah, I, I heard about this guy. Looked 100 years guy. old, was, was literally dying slowly, right? And yeah. he put him on like I think a, a six-month program. He lost, I don't know, 40, 50 pounds, looks 15 years younger, is uh-huh. so much healthier, diabetes gone, everything gone. And uh, I'm actually doing, there's a, he does a three-day fast, which I'm doing not next week, the following week, which scares the hell out of me because I've never gone three days without food. So that's going to be weird. But, no, uh, it's, it's at, the first couple of days are the hardest. You, you end up with a headache or something. I've done, I did that. couple hours will be the hardest. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a thing called Prolong, P-R- P-R-O-L-O-N-G, and it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's like a milkshake kind of fast, but it's soups and stuff. And right. I, and I do that every, every three or four months just to like oh, yeah? kickstart it. Yeah. I you. mean, yeah, I was, I was hovering around. So I'm six foot two, or I used to be, I think I'm a lot shorter now, but I was hovering. I, I would always carry 220, 225. And yeah. there was always that, you know, that, that 10 fucking pounds that I hated. Right. The part that, you know, you put your pants on, you're like, God damn it. Well, and it's the visceral right, so, fat too. It's around your liver and around your yeah, heart and yeah. it's the bad. So stuff. I, that's, I'm, that's the heart so, attack so, fat. So I said in March, I'm, 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 I'm changing this. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm in my mid sixties now I'm changing this. So I've, I've dropped down to about two Oh three and I'm you, working man. out now. Well, yeah, but I had that weird thing where it's like, you know, I used to have pretty good, pretty good muscles and I looked down I saw wrinkly skin I thought motherfucker I'm turning into that bad though so I've been I've been hitting the gym I've been hitting the gym and feeling good about it and the thing about the gym is I hate it I hate it when I walk in and I'm so happy when I leave because I did that you know it's so it's so weird because every time I'm like driving there thinking "Ah, I got too much to do and then as soon as I'm done with I go man I am so glad I did that and if I can get two weeks good going like that the addictive mind i have yeah i know kicks in i have to do it yeah that's how i am if i don't exercise every day i and you know so i have so many friends it's a good point i have so many friends who walk every day or go for a run or ride their bike and they think that's enough but the problem is when you get to be our age um this sarcopenia thing where your muscles disappear sets in and it's very very bad for you and that's one of the big uh, very negative things towards aging and makes you age faster and makes you, it leads you to disease. So yeah, well, lifting weights is so important. And you know, and, and it, so my doctor that I was talking about, the guy down in, in LA, he said, okay, now that you've dropped the weight, now that you're feeling good about it, he said, what you really have to do is he says, you got to hit the, he goes, you got to hit the gym and you got to hit the weights. And he goes, and yeah. listen, I know who you are. This doesn't mean you lift weights like you're 25. Yeah. He goes, you'll hurt yourself. He said, get get in some medium weights, get some good reps in. He goes, you don't have to fucking be that guy you think you got to be. You kind of do though. So, you have to you have to strain well, your not, muscles not and you me. have to build new muscle because otherwise it yeah, doesn't have the same yeah, effect. But, you should lift the heaviest he, weight you can. But, well, but that's the problem is that you know I would I would lift I I, I used to lift a lot so yeah. I would. 
You'd go straight like, to 300 don't, pound bench don't, pressing or something. Yeah. I used to do that. Don't yeah. do that again. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. Go, yeah. go in and, and, and hit your hit. If you can do 12 reps with it, go up five pounds. Yeah. Right. And then, and then you do 10 in your straining and then your trainer helps you with the last two. And then, then pretty soon you're doing 12 with that. Then yeah. you go to the next one. Squats right. is the other and big one. Squats, dude, like you, just body dude, weight I, squats are really body good Body weight you. squats blew my mind. I did them. My guy got me doing them where you, you go down on the bench yeah. and you're up and down. Yeah. I couldn't fucking walk the next day. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, the first day is really? pretty tough. Yeah. I, I do them almost every day. And, and, you know, it's just, it's stuff that, you know, here's the deal. I'm not trying to live 120 years. I'm trying to live to whatever I live to healthy Quality. right up till that point you know i want to drop yeah. dead after being sick for a week not for 10 years you know it's like right my mom's in a dementia home gun in your mouth yeah. my mom's in a dementia home for the last oh, just, 10 years I, I she just, doesn't know where she just, is you know i just i just got uh in that test that i was talking about uh, i got the i got tested for the alzheimer gene there's an alzheimer gene yeah and my my mother very much like you. I mean, it used to be you just went senile, but now there's dementia. Now there's Alzheimer's. There's different types of it. They've got it down. My mom, uh, the last ten years of her life was Alzheimer's, and you would just watch this incredible, oh, horrible terrible. shit show go on. It's the just worst. fucking horrible to watch, it's right? And so I, I was thinking, you know, I'm always losing my keys, and I can't find my wall. It's like, oh yeah, shit, here we go. Much. And yeah, but I've been like that since I was about ten. So it's I. My doctor called me. The first thing he said to me, he goes, hey, good news. You don't have the Alzheimer gene. I'm like, oh, shit, I must have got my dad's side of it. Thank God, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, my girlfriend, because she's very forgetful, and and uh, I always poke on her, you know, going, I know what it looks like. You know, I've watched my mom. Yeah, and I've seen it. I, oh, God. And, and so she reads books and looks for articles and stuff, and she goes, see, everybody, it's normal, you know. Your brain has so much capacity and different person, different people use different parts of the brain for different things. Mm -hmm. I don't typically, I always have to put my keys in the same place. Otherwise I'll lose them every single time. I've no, me too. Well, keys, wallet, friggin' remote, anything. You know? Yeah. Like I'm the yeah. guy who used to put the remote in the fridge because I was on a phone call or I've something. I've done right? that too. You put, yeah. I've done that too. Uh, I went looking for it one time. I found it in the refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's completely stupid, but it's just my, my brain is completely on this phone call. Right. So I'm not thinking about I'm about five minutes ahead of wherever I am. Yeah. Yeah. So the last thing I wanted to ask you about is, yeah. you know, I know, obviously a lot about your addiction and, and we talked about mm -hmm. it on one of the podcasts that you were on with me, but today, like how important, how important is sobriety today still? Uh, and it's what, 28 years. It's everything. Yeah. If you, if I don't have that, I have nothing else after it, you know, and it's, and it's, it's one of the, um, you know, I, I, I get I get the pat on the back every now and then. Oh, you 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 work with these. You know, the twelfth step is to take the message to other people, right? And so, uh, the the normies think, oh, you what a good guy. You know, you're 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 helping other people. Nah, I mean that's the byproduct of it. Um, what I learned very early in addiction in going through these twelve steps, and I'm passionate about the twelve steps. The 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, which which are the derivative of all the anonymous programs, C-A-N-A, -A, sexual addiction, everything, is of those 12 steps, it, uh, it, it, the only one that ever mentions alcohol. Am I frozen again? No. 
There we go. I'm listening to you. The, o- the, the, <laughs> the only one that ever mentions alcohol is step one. And it says, Ad- uh, admit that you were powerless over alcohol and your life had become unmanageable. And it's like, well, that's pretty fucking easy. You know, I had to borrow money to go into a rehab center. So, yeah, that's <laughs> I'll give you that. I am yeah. powerless over this. And I and it is my life has become unmanageable. Step two through 12 is a roadmap for any human being on planet Earth with or without an addiction to be a good person. It's about making amends. It's about taking cleaning up your past. It's about, you know, accountability. It's it's about, you know, being there for other people. The two through 12 is an absolute wonderful roadmap to just be a decent human being. It's Don't got nothing, be a it's dick. A, yeah, <laughs> it's that simple. And yeah. so for me, you know, the 12th step is, is, is taking the message to others who are suffering. Right. And so I'm just available to people who, you know, I don't push it. I don't sell it. Uh, you know, if you ask about my own personal, you know, things I've gone through, I'm very open about it. Uh, but because that means I'm open to it. Right. So if someone hears me say that, like on this podcast, for instance, and you're having trouble with this, I, I, you do whatever you want with your life. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm not going to tell you what to do because you wouldn't listen anyway. Um, I just happen to have learned through the kindness of others and through the God of my choice that uh, there's a better way to do this. And so I'm open to it. And, you know, in that 12 step part, if I if I if I'm not present, clean, sober and in a good frame of mind for myself, I can't be here for anybody else. Yeah. So, Such a good so it has, it has to be, you know, if I'm not working my program and trying to be the best person I can every day, which by the way, completely unsuccessful at it every day, but more successful than I used to be. Um, if I, if I'm not here, I can't be here for my wife. I can't be here for my kids. I can't be here for my friends. I can't be here for people who might not know me, but you know, anytime anyone comes to me and says, Hey, can we talk about this? I'm very blunt about it. I just say, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to show you what worked for me. If you want to talk about this, I'm open to talk about it. But sobriety is, it, it, Marcel, to answer your question, circle back around. And I'm sorry, I always give long answers. No, no, it's good. The, the, the thing is, is that, is that if, I, if I don't have sobriety, I, I, I know what the other guy is. I don't fucking want anything to do with that man. He's, a, he's not a good human being. But can I ask you... <clears throat> Yeah, I know you say you don't sell anybody on it or anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. But mm. if you see someone getting wasted who is on a crew or or maybe he's not working with you, but it's someone you know or whatever. Like I walked in on a bandmate one time when I had already quit doing anything bad uh, other than drinking. And, uh, you know, I saw his, his arm was all tied off and he was just yeah. about to put the needle in his arm. And I had never seen anybody do that except at the doctor's yeah. office. And I was like, what the fuck are you doing? And, but like, would Doesn't you, work. you wouldn't try to stop someone and, and steer them at that point no. or have you no. tried to? Yeah. I, and I agree I, with I, what I, you I, say though. You're just a narc at that point, right? Like they don't Yeah, no, I mean, you. you're, 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 you're that guy that we hated. I'm the, yeah. I'm now the guy that I hated, you know? So I think, I think you lead by example and you, and you do it with absolute unconditional love. Yeah. So what I would say, so what I, and I've been in situations with that where I've seen people doing that kind of stuff. I've just said, Hey bro, you know what? You're, 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 you're going to really hurt yourself or somebody else. Uh, 
God bless you. Do whatever you want to do. When you're ready to talk about this, I'm an open book. Yeah. You know when you're when you're ready to get when you're when, I know you're miserable. So when you're ready to not be miserable, I, I I know how you can get out of this. But God bless. Go blow yourself up. Jesus, it's a scary life. Well, it's counterintuitive. Yeah. So I'll, I'll finish with one short story about that. Okay. Please. So. I was at a meeting in Westlake Village, California, at the, ch- at the local church there. And, the, you know, sometimes there's speakers meetings. And I think I was speaking that night. There's like a, a five-minute slot, a 20-minute slot, and a 30-minute slot. I think it was a 20-minute slot that night. Just and talk about you share your own experience, strength, and hope, right? And you talk about your story. And, you you know, I never wanted to do this. And my sponsor said, you have to get up and you have to talk. You have to take a birthday cake. Because I don't want to take a birthday cake. I thought it was fucking bullshit. He goes, you know what? I go, why? And he goes, they have to see that if a fucking piece of shit loser like you can do it, anyone can. You have to be that guy. And I go, okay, all right. So I, 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 I give my little, my little pitch that night about what, what, it, what it used to be like and what it's like now. And that's, what, that's really the, the pitch. And it's all about my personal stuff, not talking about anyone else. And so at the end of this, there's a gal comes up and she's got this kid with her uh, who's a very famous, successful guitar player in, in, in a young band that was blowing up. And I knew who he was. And so uh, she says to me, hey, this is so-and-so. And I say, hey, how are you doing? He goes, okay. And he says, you know, I know who he is. And she says, so so you're in the music business? Yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, I'm having a really hard time. I said, hey, man, you know what? God bless you. He goes, he goes, uh, so we just, just a very quick meet and greet. Right. So I go home, uh, the next day I'm getting ready to go with my family somewhere. And, and this is the other part about if I'm not there for myself, I can't be there for anybody else. Right. This gal calls and she said, Hey, remember that kid you met last night? And I said, yeah. She said, well, he stayed at me and my husband's house last night. He was on the couch and, uh, he's having a really hard time. It's the second day without drugs. Can you come, can you come talk to him? I said, absolutely. I'll be right there. So I told my wife who got it at the time, I said, look, I'm going to go do this. Right. So I, I, I go over to the house, I sit down, you know, and this, this is a kid who's now internationally famous band blowing up more money. He knows what to do with and is absolutely fucking killing himself. Right. And so we sit down and I, I sit down right in front of him on the couch and I, I go, so, so I'm here, man. What, how can I help you? And he goes, man, you know, I just, uh, having trouble with this and I don't know what to do, you know, and then he, and he, you know, kind of goes through the spiel and then he looks at me and he says, I'd really like to get, I'd really like to get some, some cocaine right now. I'd like to get some blow and I'd like to get some whiskey. And I look at him and I go, well, then, then you should go get some, you should get some blow. You should get some whiskey. He goes, what? I go, look, if that's what you really want to do, that's, that's what you should do. He goes, well, why, why are you telling me that? I said, hey, bro, if you're not done, then you're not done. Yeah, yeah. I said, go fucking knock yourself out. <clears throat> yeah. And at that point, Marcel, the kid gets fucking livid. He starts talking to me like I'm his bitch tour manager. He goes, hey, man, you're supposed to be fucking helping me, man. What are you telling me to do this stuff for? You? I said, are you done? And he goes, yeah. And I go, what makes you think I give a fuck about you? <laughs> He's like, what? I go, I don't give a fuck about you. I don't give a fuck if you die right now. I don't care. And now he's like, well, then why did you even come over here? I go, let me tell you why I came over here. I said, because you want what I have. 
and I can teach you how to get what I have through a program that has saved my life, okay? I just swung by today to take a look at you and remind myself where I never want to be again. You fucking stink. You're wearing the same fucking clothes. You're shaking. You're fucking miserable. And I said, fuck you. I just wanted to remind myself where I never want to be again. So if you want to have what I have, I can teach you how to get. I know how to get what you have, and I ain't fucking interested, but I just wanted to take a look at it today. Kid changed his whole vibe. Really? And then 100%. He's, he just he's, he's still clean up, and sober, and that was, himself that, was 12 year, that was 12 years ago. Yeah. That's wild. Be- because I didn't wipe his fucking ass, yeah. and I didn't tell him, oh, <clears throat> God, I'll help you. I said, go fucking go kill yourself. I don't give a shit. I just wanted to take a look at where I never, ever want to be. And so that's the 12th step is sharing your experience, strength, and hope with people. But it's also very You do very it in a special selfish. way, though, John. Well, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's very selfish. It, 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 it's, it literally is me seeing where I never want to be again. And it's a, in, when you're sitting in front of this kid, and, and, and I've done this numerous times, and I'm just like, oh, God, I, that misery, that absolute hopelessness and despair, and just, just circle in the drain, and you can't get out of it. How do you break the cycle? Well, breaking the cycle is not going, oh, gosh, let me help you. It's like, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're the only one that can do it. Yeah. So there you go. That's how important it is to me. And that's, that's... And that's what I do if I, if I come across it. I'm just blunt, honest fucking blunt. Yeah. John, great to see you. There you go. I appreciate you, Great to see you, you too, Marcel. Thank you Always so much. Always good, man. Thanks and for Happy reaching out. I, I, I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but you and Nothing. I always, we always, Nothing we and always everything. gab. <laughs> Nothing and everything. We should do this once every friggin' couple of months. Nothing I love you, and pal. Everything. And Sarah, you too, buddy. nice to meet you. Take care. See you, bud. Bye-bye.